0: Guys, welcome back to another episode of the Lightspeed Lawn Care Marketing Podcast. If you are watching this on YouTube, thanks for tuning in. If you are listening on your phone, make sure to leave us a rating and a review in your podcast app of choice. I am sitting down today with Jason Creel. You know him from Lawn Care Life, Alabama Lawn Pros. And we are gonna talk about the process that he has gone through a couple of times now of building a business and selling it and, and moving to a new territory and building a business. So I, I just thought that was a really interesting story and I don't know a lot of guys that have that story. So I wanted to pick your brain a little bit about it, Jason.
1: Yeah, appreciate appreciate it, Cody, having me on. And uh, I will say just as an initial comment, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that. It wasn't like, you made it sound <laughs> like great, like, yeah, I built up that big, huge business and sold it for millions of dollars. And then thought it was so easy to do it. It wasn't necessarily like that. I, I had never, I didn't really intend to sell any of them, but uh, but anyway, Mm -hmm. you know, the people who can actually build a business with the intent of selling it and making huge profits and then repeating that process again, you know, those people are pretty impressive. I haven't figured out how to do that, but I will say. You know it's like playing golf or something, you, you know, you might miss the first putt, but if you put it again, you might make it the second time. You know, so I, I'm on my third mm-hmm. lawn business, so I will say I've, the third one's gone better than the first two, so it, you do learn some stuff, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: So, when you so first business, you are what was the motivation to sell? Was it just that you guys were moving?
1: No, the first business okay. I had somebody approach me about buying it, and it was just kind of like mm-hmm. my philosophy is it p- pretty much most everything I have is for sale, cl- including my major organs. <laughs> if somebody offered enough money, yeah, so it was just a. It was kind of like okay, if you want to, you know, you want to pay me that for, it, I'll I'll take it, you know. And I mean, it wasn't like astronomical mm-hmm. amount of money, but it was six figures, you know, for some, which for me at the time was a was huge. Now, I, I didn't handle that money very well and started, tried a different venture and failed at that. And so it it was more of a learning experience than anything. But yeah, I was mowing grass and, and I had gotten frustrated with mowing grass because I, I made a lot of mistakes, but it was like every year if I made a lot of money. I felt like I paid a lot of taxes and I, I just, <laughs> just not felt like I was getting anywhere. Life was more expensive. I got married, started having kids and houses and mortgages and everything, you know, so it was just, So I'd actually taken a, a full-time job for the first time, first time since I'd had a lawn business and I had a, a kind of a crew chief that was running the lawn business. So at the time when they approached me about selling, it was, I was like, well, you know, I'm working this full-time job, I'll sell this. And it just made sense at that time.
0: Yeah. So you, I feel like you you underplayed the the business a little bit. If it was a six-figure purchase price, that's not, you know, selling a couple of routes. That is a, uh, they were purchasing a real business.
1: Um, Yeah, Yeah, I think so. I mean, it it was, yeah, it was heavily owner driven. Now, again, I had pulled back Mm -hmm. and was overseeing it and it was still profitable with me overseeing it, not necessarily being involved, but it, it it had some flaws, you know, and then unfortunately, the, the guy who bought it it, it didn't it, it didn't actually go very well for him, and it, so no, nobody. I think it ended up being almost a lose lose situation. You know, I, I it was a win for me in selling. Yeah. I was happy to sell it, and just didn't didn't transition well after that. But then for him, it, he did he didn't transition well into it, and it was so unfortunately, it didn't have a happy ending necessarily.
0: So then, round two, you come back and start another business in the green industry. Tell us a little bit about the motivation for that and how that
1: went. Okay. So, before I ever started a lawn business, I I probably had a dozen different jobs out out of college. And I have a college degree, but they they were all bad. They were all terrible. I had no idea how to get a a decent job and how to market myself. So, anyway, when I started a business, a lawn business, it was like, by far the best job I'd ever had. I mean, both from just I just kind of a fit for me, and also the money side of it. it wasn't great, but I was like compared to what I was been doing for Javi, I had weekly paycheck sometimes that would be 200 some dollars maybe and with a candy bar they'd send me a candy bar i "I wish you'd keep your candy bar and give me an extra dollar on my measly paycheck you know but so when i started mowing grass i gotta pay rent (laughs) yeah i mean it was great when i started mowing i was like this is by far more you make more in a day than i would normally get in a week so so anyway when i yeah and i did get a job working in in computer type stuff which is what my degree was in and and it was okay but i was i was bored out of my mind so anyway when i sold my business i wanted to keep just a portion of that i guess as a fallback for me so actually after i sold i didn't stay at the job very much longer i've worked there basically a year it didn't really didn't enjoy it and so i kept a small territory, the lawn business in the same, you know, same area, but I had a non-compete agreement. So I was very restricted to this small town that had about 2000 people in it. So I I had like 20 customers or something. So basically I was doing that two days a week, maybe Mount mowing, And then I tried to start a coupon book fundraising company, which I would not recommend to anybody, and that and that did not go. Well. So I spent a year basically trying to start this coupon book fundraising company, mowing two days a week with the, my new lawn business, which you know essentially was just a portion of my old lawn business. But I changed the name and had a small area. And uh, after failing at the coupon book business, tried that for about a year. And, and i say failed, I mean, I might have broke even, but if you spend a year to break even, that's that's basically a failure, in my opinion. A lot, a lot of
0: time tied up in $0. Well,
1: yeah. I mean, I, I didn't think that year two was going to be much better. So it was kind of like Cut your yeah. losses like this. It's not working. You know, now if, if year one you break mm-hmm. even and year three you make a million dollars, then hey, you know, year one was just the growing pains, but I think year two was going to look very similar to year one. So I got rid of those coupon books and gotcha. was thankful. I was about boycotted coupons since, since then. I just, nothing wrong with <laughs> about it, but it's just a little bitter taste. So I, I was still mowing a couple of days a week, but then after. And I was able to grow a little bit, but then it was like we decided to relocate as a family. And so we moved two hours away. And when doing that, you know, you really can't take it with you kind of thing. So I, I did sell yeah. that to another guy. and kind of mentored him a little bit. He was just getting going and and we relocated. And I had to start, you know, round three at that point.
0: Mm-hmm. So if someone is is thinking about selling their their business. Because I think we hear a lot, like there's plenty of books that you can go read or like, you know, documentary series you can watch about like huge businesses changing hands and like mergers and that kind of thing. But I don't feel like there's as much around, you know, the kind of businesses that guys like you and me build that are, you know, substantially smaller than that, not on the radar of Comcast or whatever. What... What would you tell someone who's thinking about selling? Like, what's the first thing they should consider when they're thinking about doing that?
1: Yeah. You know, sometimes you'll you'll hear people say in the lawn business that, like, if you don't have your customers under some written contract, then it's not worth anything. I I don't really agree with that. I don't think you have. I personally don't do contracts unless it was like a commercial account or something like that. But I'm not if my customer now wants to me to spray their yard seven times a year and it's $400, I'm, we're not signing any piece of paper. <laughs> you know, it's like if they want to fire yeah. me, they get fired. And, and I don't think you have to, to make it transferable. I mean, you know, obviously if you, if you're basing it on large commercial accounts that pay you year round and you're saying this is a $50,000 account, this is a 40,000, you know, yeah, I, I could see where a contract would be very handy in trying to sell that because, if they cancel on you, you know, then that could be difficult. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's like a lot of transactions, they want to see your your taxes and, and how, how much money is it making. And so if you, mm-hmm. so it would be not, the, this is not the only reason not to cheat on your taxes. There are other Reasons they're also good, but if you you know you just get cash under the table all the time, and you at the end of the year he's like, Mm -hmm. "I got four hundred yards and I made ten thousand dollars this year. That's all I made," you know. Well, (laughs) that doesn't translate very well to selling, you know, because you've been cheating. And then then, anyway, so I mean, like legitimate numbers, and that may be in a sense where like if you know you want to sell one day, potentially you hire a bookkeeping service. To not just you know, I have an accountant handles my year-end taxes and all that. But you know, if you had a bookkeeping service that could really have some detailed profit loss statements, all you know, and say, look, here's some actual numbers on what this business does. So that that's one thing I think too. One thing I didn't realize even now, like doing weed control and fertilization, like if you got if you got 300 customers and it you make a 100 and some thousand dollars or whatever, you know, it, it's worth some percentage of your revenue. You'll hear everything from 40 cents on the dollar to a to dollar for dollar, you know, annual revenue. So, you know what I'm saying? If your business made $150,000, it's worth $150,000 if it's a dollar, or maybe it's worth 50% of that and it's worth $75,000. Well, mm-hmm. from everything I've been told, as you get larger, you start generating a million dollars in revenue and then that number goes up. So your larger businesses are gonna be worth more. So, you know, I tell people now when I'm thinking about selling or, or how to an exit strategy, I guess you would put on it. You know, for me, there's kind of a couple of strategies. Like what I'm doing, I'm small and I'm, you know, doing YouTube stuff and all this other. But I'm trying to be extremely profitable as a small business and take money and invest it, you know, and just IRAs and stock market and all this. And, and, and again, that, Works sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't. The other strategy. I have a friend that's doing this. He's trying to scale, and he's trying to acquire other businesses. I've sold customers to him, and, and he wants to get big. Because again, if you're trying to sell, you know, if, if you're making two hundred thousand dollars revenue, I mean, it's it is worth something, but it's not worth a whole lot, honestly. I mean, you know, you might get a hundred thousand bucks for, it, which is great, but I mean, that's not exactly going to put mm. you in retirement mode, where if you can. If you start generating seven figures, you know, million, two million, three million, then you know you, you're generating three million dollars a year in revenue. Then your business might be worth three million dollars. You know, well that, and yeah, it, it's harder to get the three million in revenue, obviously, but that's where somebody like that has a little more aggressive plan. They're okay taking on debt. They're okay acquiring other businesses because they're looking at this bigger plan of one day that big national franchise is gonna come offer me a dollar for dollar revenue or possibly more than that.
0: Yeah, so we're looking at, you know, your papers need to be in order. You need to have been paying your taxes correctly, playing by the rules so that, you know, you can, if you want to cash out, you can. And if you've been getting paid under the table, then that's not gonna be when someone wants to look at your taxes to evaluate the business and there's no money there. It's uh, going to look great.
1: If, like I've had people approach me almost every year. Seems like about buying my business. Well, and I've even considered selling it at some point. You know, but when you go talk to them, the offers are usually pathetically low. And, and I'm like, I'm like, let me, help me, let me understand your offer here. Now, you, you you would like for me to take a serious pay cut. And to hand you my business. Is that is that my understanding you correctly here? Are you if I will work for half price and come work for you and then give you my business, is that all right, where do I sign? You know, so I, I usually just leave those meetings frustrated and mad and like, please don't insult me yeah. and waste my time. But from their standpoint, and again, this is helping you learn how to sell one. Like they look at it as, you know, I'm a, I'm a solo operator, you know? So they look at it as like, Oh, solo operator. What, what good is that? You know? Well, I look at it as like, man, I got like mm-hmm. one of the greatest jobs of anybody. I don't know. I wouldn't trade my job to be a doctor to tomorrow <laughs> for nothing. I mean, or a lawyer. No, forget it. I'll do what I do over that 80 day because of the flexibility and Honestly, I think it pays almost the same. I mean, obviously, there's some doctor's lawyers going to shatter what <laughs> a line guy makes, but it pays pretty well, honestly. I mean, especially the weed control stuff, which I do. But when, when they're looking at it, it's like, hey, it's. You know, if you paid the the guy a salary, let's say you had to pay somebody fifty thousand dollars to run the route and all that, you know, then they say, Well here's your profits, but then if you paid somebody this and then your equipment's this and depreciation, then they start, they start naming all this stuff by the time you they get done, you made like five thousand dollars <laughs> that year. I was like, What well, you know, you can call mm-hmm. it whatever you want, but I'm not taking that, you know, for nothing and I'm not coming to work for you. And you just help me get more motivated next year to, you know, try to take your customers. Cause I it just annoys me. So anyway, but point being, if you eventually get your business to where you as the owner, Casey, manage the company, and, and it it looks like, okay, now if somebody acquires it, this thing's kind of running on autopilot a little bit. Obviously, you're still involved, mm-hmm. but they know. Like, I take over as the boss. You've already got the trucks in place. You've already got the, the crew in place. The systems are in place. Now it looks like something that's acquirable more so than like, hey, it's just one guy out there doing everything himself. That that doesn't translate as easy. Now, again, I would argue that one guy doing all himself. Like at the end of the day, those customers have value. Like this this generates this much income per month and that income per month is worth something to somebody. It may not be worth something to you, but I know you know somebody'll pay something for it. So don't don't sell yourself short either way. But yeah. I mean it is more attractive if things kind of running on its own.
0: Yeah. If you're if you're trying to build with the intent of selling, maybe at a lower maybe you're not trying to get to one, two, three million, but you're trying to get to like half yeah. a million to sell. You're saying that it's very important to have the processes built out and the owner's involvement, like scaled back pretty substantially, so that you're appealing to who wants to come drop money on this business.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think that's a lot more attractive. And when they start looking at all the the numbers and stuff, so anyway, yeah, if, I mean, if you can get up to five hundred thousand and got three truck, that that's not actually a crazy level to achieve you know spraying yards like I do mm-hmm. I mean one truck I could go out there with one truck by myself me and generate two hundred thousand revenue that that's probably kind of average honestly if I filled up my schedule. Mm-hmm. so you can think if you had three trucks and it was generating six hundred thousand dollars in revenue and you you had three guys making fifty thousand dollars a year. I mean, that, that's still attractive to somebody. I mean, that, that can be a a pretty, somebody will pay something for that. So anyway, I, but again, if you got 50 customers, you know, sometimes if you're just selling a small amount of customers, I I might sell them for $200 a customer or something like that. And that, and that's fine. I mean, it it was like, I was looking to downsize. Somebody's looking to grow. I'm not selling my business name. Like in my situation, my company's called Alabama Lawn Pro. have a, A very good Google ranking. I have a a nice website. I have brand recognition in my town. Those things are worth something too. You know, so it's, if they acquired my brand name, which I think I get calls all the time because it's Alabama, it sounds, I sound big and fancy and I probably dominate the state of Alabama. But in actuality, I (laughs) live in a small town in Alabama work by myself. You know, so somebody that was wanting to grow and acquire my brand, you know, there's value to that as well.
0: Yeah. You said that you have, you know, someone approach you about once a year trying to buy your business. How do you like put out that you're open to that into into the world so that these people come and find you?
1: Yeah, I don't think I ever. Well, they they just they just call you. I think they're just going through Google listings and calling every local lawn business in there. And because I mean, in in their situation, they're big. I think they're just like calling all the small ones. And if they can pick up 200 customers for somebody and give them a lowball offer, they lowball 10 people. One of them says, yes, they just got 200 more Mm. customers in their territory for a very cheap price. Now, one time I did actually sell some customers through a broker. And that has pluses and minuses that they do handle the transaction for you. Now, I feel like sometimes they don't always tell you the truth. Like in my situation, uh, I was told, hey, we've got a big, big buyer. And he and I told him about my business and what I was looking to, you know, get for it, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And they said, oh, yeah, we've actually got somebody that's going to have a perfect fit for you that's looking for a business just like yours. And so all you got to do is sign here and we'll be your broker. So I signed. Well, guess what? That person didn't exist. I I don't think it existed. I don't think Mm -hmm. there was a – ended up selling it to a friend of mine who had also been contacted by the same broker. I didn't know – he didn't know I was interested in downsizing. I didn't know he was interested in growing. And so we both we ended up having to pay a hefty commission to a broker to sell it to a friend of mine, and uh, we basically put the you know because yeah. they're tell, you know they're telling me there's this big buyer out there, and he's yeah that that's how much mm-hmm. money you want for your bid. I'm pretty sure he'll go for that. Sign here. Well, now I'm committed to this guy, you know, and and yeah, and I, I mean I wouldn't have been committed to him. If my friend hadn't also signed with it, because I think the agreement was like if I find my own buyer, I could have just sold it without paying commission. But then when I talked to my friend, he saw it on some listing or something. And uh, he had already signed with them too. And so I was like, Well, so we did the deal and they did handle the transaction. I'm not saying they did anything terrible. They handled it, but anyway. Mm-hmm. So you, you can there are brokers. Well, if
0: you're family. selling to a if you're selling to a stranger it it probably makes sense to use a like you know legitimate third party, mm-hmm. but when it's a friend, you're not worried about your friend. Yes, you know,
1: but, but disappearing I, with your customer yeah. list. I just didn't appreciate that they basically led me to. I, I told them how much money I was looking for, and they led me to believe that yes, we have somebody that would be interested in that. Well, I had end up having one call, like a Zoom call or something, with this potential buyer. He had no experience with lawn care. He'd been in like cleaning houses or something business. He. Mm. He had no experience with lawn care. He had no existing line care, and he was really not in. I think he offered me like twenty thousand dollars or something. I was like, I said, my, I wouldn't sell you my truck for that. No, I'm not selling you the business for twenty thousand. <laughs> you know. So anyway, it was a pathetic That's offer. That's crazy. Not a real candidate at all. There was no other candidates. You know, weeks went by. I was like, where's these candidates lined up to buy my? That you, you know, they didn't exist. And my buddy bought it and 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 again we're fine everything worked out i think worked out for both parties he's happy he's again going on this path trying to grow a big business i was trying to downsize and just Mm -hmm. i I was at a place where i had to either grow and get multiple trucks going or shrink back down and if i didn't have like a a youtube channel and all that i might have chose to grow but for me i was like i'm gonna shrink down and kind of go half line care half you know youtube and that sort of thing
0: yeah Well, Jason, I think that that is a really valuable story to tell the people listening here. I really appreciate you coming on answering some questions about that. You know, there aren't a lot of guys that I can can talk to about specifically like selling the size of and scale of business that you're talking about. Yeah. So I really hope that this was helpful to the guys listening. If you have any questions, leave them in the comments. I am happy to. Jason, you don't have to keep track of the comments. I'll follow up with you if anybody asks anything. But uh, thanks so much for, for being on the show today, man. I appreciate
1: it. All right. Thanks, Cody. I enjoyed it.